0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Good morning. It's a privilege to be here with you this morning, and I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. We'll be looking at another portion of Jesus' birth narrative, but before we do, let's go to God and ask him to lead us in this time that we will hear his words as we look to his word. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we long today for a word from you that would speak into our lives, that would speak into our faith, and we know you desire this as much as we do. And so we pray, Lord, that you would set a table for us today to feast on from your word. Give us ears that would hear and eyes that would see, minds that would receive and hearts that would respond. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We begin reading with verse 13 of Matthew chapter 2. I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. What a difference a weekmates. Seven days ago, we were all building toward Christmas, anticipating what our celebration would be like. Candlelight services here on Christmas Eve were still ahead. There was much cooking yet to be done. Gifts under the tree had a certain mystery to them. And some of us may have still had more shopping to do. Now we're together on the other side of Christmas. Meals have been eaten, families have gathered, gifts have been opened, some already returned. (laughs) Soon the Christmas music will be replaced by the usual songs and our decorations taken down. I don't know about you, but I I always find this post-Christmas period feels like a bit of a letdown. Now granted, this can be a hard season for those of us experiencing pain and loss who are surrounded by the joy of others. But still, this is the one month out of the year when the ordinary is replaced with something different, different traditions, different gatherings, different decorations and songs and food and even different greetings. And soon, very soon, we'll return to the ordinary, the trappings of Christmas behind us for yet another year. But as we do, there is one thing we take with us from this Christmas celebration, and that is our hope in Jesus. Hope that carries us along in life that keeps us moving forward. God entered this world in the same form as every one of us. And let's not underscore how important hope is to us. Jesus came to save us. He came to give us life. He came to give us hope. Hope is like that proverbial carrot out in front of us that keeps us moving forward. It gives us strength when we are facing adversity. It adds meaning to our days. It propels us toward a better tomorrow. The author of Hebrews referred to hope as an anchor for our souls. And Lewis Smedes writes about the importance of hope. When he says our spirits were made for hope the way our hearts were made to love and our brains were made to think and our hands were made to make things. That's how important hope is to us. And so I want to ask each of us a question this morning. Where do you place your hope? Upon what does it rest? Is it in day-to-day possibilities that offer excitement that can too easily disappoint? Or do we draw from an unchanging hope foundation that keeps us moving forward even when life turns sour? During this season of Advent, we are exploring what it means for our hope to be built upon Jesus. Hope that we are loved, hope that we are not alone, hope that there is more to life than what this world has to offer. And this manger reminds us that God came into our world to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Our lives are forever changed because this child one day gave his life to give us life. And a future. Today's text covers a portion of the Christmas story that tends to get less attention. And as we look at it, I want to offer three observations about our hope in Jesus. Let's look at how it begins again in verse 13. When the Magi had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph first experienced an angel when Mary's story about her pregnancy from God was confirmed in a dream. Joseph surely awoke from that dream with a sense of relief. He awakened from this one with a sense of terror. I love the way author Ken Geyer tries to imagine what that moment must have been like for Joseph when he writes, Joseph bolts upright in bed, heart pounding, eyes wide. He shakes Mary awake and tells her the dream. The couple quickly tiptoes into the night, telling no one where they are going or why. But as they leave the stable, the baby cries. Joseph wheels around, his eyes intense. By dawn, the Holy Family is long gone. For now, they are safe. Jesus has escaped the sword. Jesus wasn't yet old enough to change the world, but he was already feared by King Herod. Herod was the paranoid ruler of Judea, clutching tightly to power at the expense of others. Herod's fear that others were plotting to take his throne led him to kill three of his sons, a wife and two brothers-in-law. And it prompted Caesar Augustus to declare that it was better to be Herod's swine than his son. Jesus became Herod's newest threat And this forced yet another change of plans for Mary and Joseph. And so here's our first observation. Hope in Jesus sustains us when life is hard. Hope in Jesus sustains us when life is hard. We enjoy reading about the familiar Christmas story, but it was incredibly hard for Mary and Joseph to live out. This unexpected pregnancy from God interrupted their lives. The scandal led to judgment and rumors and gossip and social isolation in their hometown. And perhaps that's why Mary accompanied Joseph on the difficult trip to Bethlehem during her final days of pregnancy. A joyful moment of birth became a desperate moment when they had no lodging for Jesus' arrival. And now they were forced to quickly flee to Egypt, which was outside of Herod's jurisdiction. As Mary and Joseph experienced challenge after challenge, hope sustained them. It helped them continue moving forward. Now, how do we know that? When the text doesn't say anything about that. Well, they had seen God do the impossible with the birth of a child that the two of them had not created together. And so Jesus was a constant reminder of God's initiative into their lives and his power to do what they could not. Jesus remains a source of hope for us today, even when our circumstances offer little reason for hope. While many hope to maintain a comfortable life, Jesus came to provide a meaningful life. While many hope for a rewarding today, Jesus came to bring a better tomorrow, While many hope to avoid disappointments and hurts and difficulties that can make life so hard, Jesus came to give us hope even when life is hard. Though Joseph and Mary reached safety in Egypt, there was another drama taking place behind them. Let's look at verse 16. Because they are no more. Bethlehem was a small rural town, and it's estimated because of its size that there may have been between 20 to 30 boys, the age of two and younger. Tim Keller, in writing about this massacre, said While we find it shocking, such atrocities were so common in those days, there's no other historical mention of what happened in Bethlehem. But these deaths were a devastating loss to the people of Bethlehem, and they grieved God deeply. If there was any doubt that this world needed a Savior, Herod's cruel actions underscored that need. Jesus willingly came to give his life to defeat death and sin and darkness and to redeem God's creation. And these young children were caught in the crossfire of a violent resistance to God's initiative. Our hearts ache when we read this part of the story. And how often do we have the same feeling when we look around at the pain and the suffering in the world around us and we wonder where God is. And so here's our second observation. Hope in Jesus sustains us when it appears evil is winning. Any observer would conclude at this point in the story that Herod was on top and God was no match. Jesus had come into the world and now his family was on the run and innocent children were being massacred. If we were keeping score at this point in the story, it would be evil two, God zero. But fortunately, and praise God, our hope in Jesus is fueled by a bigger story than we often see in the moment. Despite Herod's best efforts to rid himself of his rival, Jesus remained alive. And it wasn't long until this earthly king died a horrible death and the heavenly king outlasted him. But let's look further down the road from this story. When Jesus was crucified on the cross years later, It appeared to everyone around him that evil had won and God had suffered a devastating defeat. It took a few days, but eventually God's bigger story was revealed. This baby in a manger had conquered sin and death on the cross and we have new life and eternal hope As a result, much of what we do see in the world today suggests that evil is winning and God is either powerless or uninterested. But when this baby grew up, Jesus acknowledged, in this world, you will have trouble. And then the one in whom we place our hope declared, but take heart I have overcome the world. Our hope in Jesus sustains us even when we don't yet see God's final victory. And then let's look at the last part of our story. Verse 19. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Mary and Joseph may have only been in Egypt a year until Herod died, and they learned that they could return. And our text suggests that perhaps they considered reestablishing any previous routes that they had placed down in Bethlehem. But when Herod's territory was divided among his sons, Bethlehem and Judea came under the rule of a son who was known to be as ruthless as his dad. And so after another warning, the family returned to their previous home of Nazareth where a milder son ruled. And this leads to our final observation. Hope in Jesus sustains us when our way is uncertain. Mary and Joseph's lives were filled with uncertainty. They didn't know how long they'd have to live in Egypt when they left. They didn't know where they could safely return to. They didn't know if they were going to have to flee again in later years or if they would always be looking over their shoulders for the next threat. Throughout their uncertainty, this child whom they held Reminded them that they were held by God. And they found hope in His direction and His provision when their next steps were uncertain to them. We experience our own uncertainties, don't we? More times than we would like, we're knocked off balance by setbacks or by surprises. And in those moments when we are unsure of what lies ahead, we have hope in the one who leads us through it. When we think about the Christmas story and we think about the central characters to it, our mind immediately goes to Mary and the role that she played. Joseph, not so much. Tim mentioned in his sermon last Sunday that for years Joseph was referred to as Joseph the Silent because we have no recorded words from him. Joseph seems in the shadows more along for the ride than a key player in this story. And so I wonder if it would surprise you to understand how central Joseph's role was. Let's look again at the final verses of the passage we've read today. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod he was afraid to go there having been warned in a dream he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth let me give you a quick pop quiz how many don't don't be nervous how many recorded instances do we have of Mary receiving a direct message from God? If you're thinking one, that's correct. Now, how many recorded instances do we have of Joseph directly receiving a message from God? Four. Three of which are in our story today. And each time we see the obedient response of a solid, steady man working hard to keep his family and Jesus safe. When Joseph was told to marry Mary, he did, and he refused to consummate the marriage until Jesus' birth so there would be no questions about who his father was. When Joseph was told to flee, he didn't hesitate to leave the very night he was warned. When told to return, Joseph brought his family back to Israel. And when warned about returning to Judea, he took his family to his hometown of Nazareth. Listen to what Michael Wilkins writes about Joseph. We might comprehend more readily the sacrifice that Joseph made if this child were of his own blood. But it causes us to honor his obedience even more when we recognize that this is his adopted son. The bond between them did not derive from the deep emotional and spiritual tie of father and genetic son. It derived from the deep bond of obedience to the true father of this son. And I want to linger on that word obedience because obedience is how Joseph remained connected to his source of hope. Obedience is an important element because if we are honest, there are moments, even seasons, when our hope in Jesus may feel shaken. Perhaps we find it hard to sense his presence or to see his activity in our lives or in his world. There were surely times when Mary and Joseph wondered why God wasn't making things a bit easier for them. And when our hope in Christ feels fragile, obedience keeps us connected to this eternal source of hope. Let me illustrate this with an image that may feel jarring to us during these cold winter months, but here it is. <laughs> Consider this. It doesn't matter how good or how experienced this water skier is. She's not going anywhere without holding on to that rope. And here's the point for us. It doesn't matter how great the hope is that God holds out to us. We are unable to experience it without an obedience that keeps us in sync with our source of hope. I close with the story of a Portuguese sailing ship that was sailing off of South America centuries ago when they ran out of fresh water. And the crew and the passengers on the ship suffered for days without that water until eventually they saw another ship in the distance and they signaled to that ship their, their problem and asked for help. And the other ship replied with one simple message, lower your buckets. You see, this Portuguese sailing ship was sailing at the mouth of the Amazon River where all of the water was fresh. And all they needed to do was lower their buckets to get what they needed. Christ's coming offers hope of new life, hope of meaningful life, hope of eternal life. But this hope is not something that we automatically experience. We must lower our bucket into the hope-filled waters of God's assurances. And we do so through obedience, which keeps us connected to our source of hope. Do you want a hope that sustains you even when life is hard? A hope that sustains you even when it seems like evil is winning. A hope that sustains you even when your way is uncertain. Jesus came to provide just such a hope. And Joseph becomes our example of how we can experience it. By faithfully taking steps of obedience that keep us in step with Christ, who is our lasting hope. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, how grateful we are that you looked into this world, that you looked into our lives and you saw our great need for hope. Lord, thank you for providing that hope. I pray for each of us here this morning wherever we may be, if our hope in you feels strong or if it feels fragile. Please continue to help us understand what it means to remain connected to you in obedience so that we can be sustained by your hope in all that we experience. Thank you for this hope, who is Jesus Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.